Hey everybody and welcome to an all new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy, sitting right next to me at the bedroom table is Jenny. Hello. And 116 miles to our southwest, it's Megan. Hello. As the person that lives that far away from you, I don't actually know the distance and I drive it when I come hang out, so... Yeah, so, uh, you know, we got a lot of stuff to cover today, but uh, before we get into any of it, we're going to do what we do every week. It's the Elite Beat Pop of the Week! All right, It's like she forgot. (laughs) Sometimes he says it, sometimes I say it, and I I I like to mix it up. get my cue. I like to mix it up. I kind of zoned out there. That's fine. So this week, we are drinking a... Shamsberg Mirabelle Rosé sparkling wine. I believe Shamsberg is based out in California. It is. And I think Mirabelle is like their, maybe their lower level wine label, but it's delicious. Yeah. And we actually had this in one of our blind champagne New Year's tasting. I think, Megan, you were there with Matt and Andy and I. Yeah. And this, I think, won. It's a delicious drink. <laughs> yeah, all I can say about that. It's also been featured on Pop of the Week before. Have we had Mirabelle in the? Absolutely, we have. All right, very early you, be- on, you better yeah. go pick a different one. You can't double up. Yeah. Yeah. So let me. Oh. Noise. Did that just for everyone? Noise. Noise. That I also was have loud. a second wine. Okay. That I opened before the podcast. Okay. Because it's PTO Jenny. I have tomorrow off. Yep. I like that you feel like you have to confess because nobody would know the difference between pouring red versus pouring champagne. <laughs> well, there was no noise to the red. Um, so our red is what I like to call a twilight wine because it's got stars on it. It's twilight wine. It's twilight wine. <laughs> and it is a Natardi Ad Astra uh, Toscana. Uh-huh. It's Italian. Sure. Toscana kind of gives that away. And it's delicious and looks like the sky. Nice label. All right, Megan. Well, I just told Jenny that she can't double up on things she's had before, but I'm drinking out of that same old box of wine that I always turn to. Is it the same one as last week? No. (laughs) That is my... That is my failure. Uh, I, I got through that box fairly quickly. It's just, um, it's so easy when you have the little, the little spout. spout yeah. So, so I've got a what, new one. What's it called? It's called Boda Box, and it's just their like plain old Cabernet Sauvignon blend, or what? Not blend because it's Cabernet, but you know, I feel like it's a pretty. Uh, it's hard to mess up Cabernet. Is what I'll say. It's All like right. very drinkable. Yeah, it's hard to mess up a cab. You yeah. don't have to pay for cab. Not like Pinot, no. Mm. All right, everybody. Cheers. What do you I want to do? We do better. Why is it doing that? What do you mean? You have those magic Waterford crystal glasses. I thought I was making a better sound last week. <laughs> Sorry. It's the it's the liquid levels. You have to experiment with at like oh, Andy didn't give us very large pores. He gave you normal pores. He didn't give you Jenny pores. 
I think is the problem. Well, he got a normal Andy pour. I didn't get a normal Jenny pour. There was, so, only, um, there was only one glass left in this bottle. <laughs> Earlier this afternoon, I received a communique via WhatsApp, which is how um, I keep in touch with friends from foreign countries. Canada. Uh, yes, Canada indeed. And uh, I received a picture uh, I'm going to show it to Jenny. Oh, no. And I'm going to show it to Megan. Whoa. Is that... Is that... Cro- no, crochet? Yeah, is that- crocheted. It's crochet. Yeah. It's Crochethausen. Oh, uh, that's yeah, so, so cool. A uh, friend of the pod, Amanda, made a little Danhausen, which is fantastic. And uh, as we all know, Jay, uh, is her son, is uh, a very big Fanhausen. And I think he might be the biggest Fanhausen. He might be the biggest Fanhausen. So I tweeted at Danhausen um, <laughs> to let just let him know that like this happened, and uh, and that Jay is is such a big Fanhausen, and uh, he did not respond, but he did give it a like. So, oh. So Danhausen is aware of the crochet. Uh, Crochethausen, yes. That's like a very Amanda. You are very skilled. I know she listens, so I just want to let Amanda's her know. Very skilled. She made Baby Yoda mm-hmm. for us, like during the pandemic, and it's adorable. Yeah. Oh, I saw it, and I, you know, seeing that and you know, Crochethausen, man, good work. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about things. What do we do on the show? We do ratings, right? That's something we typically do. Sometimes. Often. So, um, <laughs> Rampage, I think we talked last week. It was, you know, it was in um, it was in a weird time slot because of NCAA basketball. 11.30 at night. Right. Did it, it start on time? It started at like 11.45. Whoa. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I thought... Foolishly, as it turns out, that maybe, maybe, like, it would be good that, like, it would, they, would, they would get, like, you know, a nice bump. Like, people just wouldn't turn their TV off. Yeah, it's like, they have, like, a big lead-in, so. Um, They're just so drunk and, like, hyped up on basketball that they, like, forget to turn off the TV. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, precisely. Precisely. Uh, that is not, that is not what occurred. Uh, instead... They only did a point one three in the eighteen to forty nine demo, oh. um, which is like NXT territory. Oh no! Um, and uh, three hundred ninety eight thousand total viewers. Oh, is that like a record low? Yes. Is like, it a record low for Dynamite as well? Oh God, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lowest rampage numbers in the show's eight month history. No, is it a low for NXT? No. No, it actually beat NXT. Wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wait, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. It beat NXT in the demo. Um, it, 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 NXT doesn't sometimes loses that in the demo. Mm. But no, for total viewers, NXT is almost always at like 600,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, well, that was a catastrophe. That was not great. And I think you could tell from the lineup they threw out there that they weren't expecting too much, which we'll get into uh, shortly. Um. Then, of course, we have the Dynamite, which fared, I would say, better. Uh, I would did, hope. They did, uh, this week's Dynamite did 1,005,000 viewers. 
which, you know, it's always nice when you see that number at a million or above. Yeah. I and, thought it was a really solid show. I mean, I know we'll get into it, but I, I, I was hoping it did well because I thought this one was good. Yeah, for sure. And like, and I, and like a good lineup on paper, which is like the most important thing about a rating. Of course. Um, so yeah, so they did, uh, yeah, 1.05, uh, viewer, 1.05 million viewers and a 0. 0.41 in 18 to 49, which was good enough for third place on cable for the night between two NBA games, which did a 0. 0.49 and a 0. 0.52. So good as Lord. we get. As we get deeper into that NBA season and closer to the playoffs, I don't I don't know that AEW is going to be able to to uh, to win any Wednesdays until after that's done. It's hard to compete with Carl Rogoff. With who? Carl 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 Rove. Are you trying to say Carl Rove? No, no. (laughs) The guy from Game of Thrones. Jason Momoa. Carl Drogo? Yeah. Oh, Stephen Adams? I don't know. Like, you were watching something that, like, a guy looked like um, (laughs) Jason Momoa earlier. (laughs) One of the basketball players? Yeah. That's true. Stephen Adams. I'm sorry, guys. My my joke just flopped there. I seriously thought you were talking about Carl Rove, which is just, like, wild. He can normally speak Jenny. Drunk Jenny? No, I'm not drunk. I've had one glass of wine. By the end of this podcast, (laughs) you can guarantee. Um, I I wonder, because I didn't watch, obviously, but I wonder if the basketball game leading into Dynamite just also wasn't that exciting. You know, like if if the combination of like, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I I would have to like, I would have to look it up and see what the, uh what the deal was there but uh, you mean leading into rampage leading to rampage yeah Yeah, sorry rampage because like i i would assume that you know you would have to kind of fall into at least a decent rating of people who don't immediately turn their televisions off after the game but if a lot of people checked out early you know maybe you had to lead in but not many people were still around yeah maybe the game was a smash them yeah just a thought. I don't know. I, I did not expect a dynamite that started at presumably 1130 Eastern, but actually close to 1145 to do well. Just right. not a thing. I didn't either, but I was shocked to hear the th- that the number started with three. True. That is. Oof, <laughs> yeah. That's a weird number to hear after all the other ratings talk we've yeah. done. Uh, OK, so. That's the ratings news. And uh, we don't have much like in the way of news news. Although what's going on with Cody? Cody is likely going to debut at night two of WrestleMania as a surprise opponent for Seth Rollins. Okay, so people are still thinking that. Yes. And Brandy got her shot of Brandy picked up by a producer who's shopping. Yes, yes. She's they're they're shopping it around. They they sounds like they're not even close to a deal yet. Really? Well, I mean, you read the article, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. it was like it was almost like one of those like we announced that we're uh, announcing something yeah yeah no offense to brandy but that her show seems like very well fit for youtube but i don't know not that appealing as like a a television show that people would tune into like and that's not a knock on it i think the content is good and and the idea is fun it's just as like a formatted half hour television show it i don't know i think it's gonna struggle yeah, yeah it, it seems more tailored to the YouTube audience because that's kind of what what they look for, you know, and it's a lot easier to 
to kind of manage in that sense, you know? Uh, I, I just think it's kind of interesting that that's the one they're shopping around when, like, roads to the top where there's actually stuff to follow. <laughs> it seems like it'd be more appealing to networks. Uh, but, you know, I'm not a network exec. Zach, what do I know? Like, I was just surprised to see that article about her. <laughs> You should be a network exec. You'd be good. I Ugh. think you would be. I Our shows would be wholesome. <laughs> I enjoyed Shot of Brandy until she had MJF on. And he was a complete nightmare, offensive to women. And she didn't, like, say anything or stop him. And I've never watched Shot of Brandy since. I.e. he was in character. I don't care. She wasn't in character. She should have stopped it. Fair. That brings up another question, which I know we're not shopping this show around, but like, again, YouTube, a great place for her to have niche, like, wrestling niche guests. I don't know that she is a big enough name to attract other uh, niche celebrity guests. Like, who would she go after? You know, like, musicians or actors or, com- I, you know, like, I, I kind of wonder what they would try to, who they'd try to get to come I think talk it'd be- to her. I think it'd be just a rotation of people who need to promote things. And then and mm. you just treat it like any other talk show appearance. That wouldn't be mm. very fun for, for me. I don't like the talk show, like, content about, like, promoting their stuff. Right. I like the Graham Norton where it's like, I hate it about this time, but I'm going to be swirling. I don't know why I'm... I, Drunk Jenny's on her way. I am not drunk. What is going on? But again, like That's Andy, that was me, uh, my attempt at an English accent. <laughs> That's that speak- you doing Graham Norton. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, not God. Graham Norton, just English accent. Mm. See, the description there though um, really speaks to me like the segments on like Good Morning America, where they have for like five minutes somebody come in and cook and talk. It, it just doesn't strike me as like a half hour show. Yeah, I don't know. The secret. To a good frittata is a really <laughs> hot pan. Um, we got to talk about Supercard of Honor 15, mm, which is taking. I'm, I'm about to tell you, it is taking place next Friday night, April 1st, at the Curtis Colwell Center in Garland, oh, Texas. We have known that. That was where we just were. We were there recently. Uh, winter is coming, I believe. Uh, we were there for. Um, yeah, so this is going to be the first Ring of Honor show of the Tony Khan regime. Um, it is airing live on pay-per-view. It is, in fact, going head-to-head with Rampage, which I can't imagine. What? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the pay-per-view date was, like, they, oh. that was, it was booked well in advance. Um, go, what? It's a Friday. I, I would accept a Friday pay-per-view date. For di- for AEW. Well, you get to watch an R- R- Ring of Honor pay per view mm-hmm. next Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so we just need to talk about the card because there there have been some matches announced, some new matches. Because for a while it's it was weird and it just seemed like like is this show even going to happen? Are the people that are listed in these matches actually going to be there? <laughs> no, what's going on? Are they still employed? Yes, so. Well, no one's employed, right? Uh, I don't know. So we have four matches so far that are listed. And Tony Khan has said that he's going to announce more throughout the you know the next few days to fill up the card. Question. Yeah. What length of pay-per-view is he aiming for? I have no idea. Okay. It's probably going to be like 
15 hours like an AEW pay-per-view. I was, I was just trying to estimate how many more matches he was going to announce. I mean, four <laughs> is not a pay-per-view by no. far. I feel like seven is a good pay-per-view length. Are yeah. And are we taking bets on if Cody Rhodes is going to debut as the manager of ROH or against Seth Rollins? I want to take a champagne bet. Okay. I mean, I'm going to bet on WrestleMania. And I think Megan probably is, too. I feel like my heart wants ROH, but Andy has inside info. And by that, I mean he <laughs> knows which wrestling websites to read. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think he's probably got it on good. And, and and this is one of those times where all the wrestling websites seem to agree on what's going on. <laughs> okay. But hey, you could bet for ROH and maybe win champagne, probably lose champagne. Yeah. Okay. Uh in a winner-takes-all match to determine the undisputed Ring of Honor world champion, champion, uh, lineal champion, Jonathan Gresham, uh, takes on uh, original champion, Bandito, who had to vacate it uh, because of an injury. Mm. Uh, In a match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship, the Briscoe brothers, Jay and Mark Briscoe, are challenged by FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler. This is a down-home Southern match. Yeah. A, uh, yeah, Delaware is really Southern. Uh, and North Carolina. A, uh, I think they're from North Carolina. Okay. In a, uh, in just a regular, regular old match, we've got Swerve the Realist, which is uh, Swerve Strickland uh, from AEW, versus Alex Zane, who is, uh, I guess he is best known has Ari Sterling on NXT and 205 Live during a period of time where I was not watching such shows. No idea. And uh, finally, a match that he just announced, I think yesterday, Jay Lethal versus Lee Moriarty with Matt Seidel in Lee Moriarty's corner. So those are those are like, that's that's an all AEW match right there. Huh. Yeah, yeah. But, but Jay Lethal, he's... A sex pest, yeah. Yes, that's what I thought, right? Like, I know they, like, announced him. We thought he was a sex pest from the Speaking Out movement. And then they kind of hit him for a while. And now he's, like, out and they're okay with him being a sex pest now? I feel like he wasn't accused of being a sex pest. He was accused oh, of... I looked it up today. Okay. <laughs> because I wanted to see if anything had changed. And also I wanted to yeah. make an excuse for why I don't have much to say about the Jay Lethal match on to tonight's sure. Dynamite. But, um, so, Tara, oh, I forget her name. One lady in ROH said that by not sleeping with him, he caused her to be taken off television. Yes. And then, which, like, that, I fully acknowledge, like, that's bad. But also, he says, no, I didn't. And, you know, there's, it's like, okay, that's kind of a harder thing to prove. Another lady, Christy Klein, I think her name is something Klein um she actually legit accused him of like Kelly Klein Kelly Klein yes of like sexually harassing her, her like and Joey Mercury jumped on the thread and said like yeah I got proof and also ROH is fucked up as far as like from an employee safety standpoint so sounds like the whole environment was messed up and the fact that Joey Mercury jumped on board I'm not saying that a lady should need a man to validate her claims but he seems like a I don't know, like a pretty sensible person. And the fact that he's like, yeah, I got receipts for that um, made me think there's probably at least something to it. Also, like I just default to believing women. 
Um, so it, I don't know. Jay Lethal is still like not on my list of people I care to watch. Agreed. The Joey Mercury Ring of Honor situation is very complicated. Um, as his story on those kinds of things has been a moving target for the past couple of years since he was fired. Okay. I was um, not sure. About I don't know that, that he's a reliable narrator, but you know. I do know that both he and um, Klein have separately like filed lawsuits against Ring of Honor. Yes. And hers was for the fact that like, I think it was multiple things, like a lot of bad stuff, but also the fact that like she told them about Jay Lethal's behavior and they did nothing. And um, she also implied, or not implied, she said there were other women who also ha- like had that happen to them, but uh, Ring of Honor work to kind of bury it because Jay Lethal was like, you know, a top star, which is not that hard for me to believe. If like, you know, a man in power does something bad and the company that he brings money to is like, well, that's more important than women's safety. Uh, Not so far out of the realm of what happens in a lot of places. That's why I'm inclined to be like, Jay Lethal, you're done. Like, I'm done with you. I don't think there's anyone else in AEW, like, wrestler-wise, that I feel that way about. I think they're all, like, pretty, pretty like, clean records as far as that goes. I think Justin Roberts is kind of a creep. Um, but he's not, you know, in a prominent place on the television every week that I have to see. Uh, so I just feel like Jay Lethal and his matches are not my bag, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, so... Kelly Klein's accusation regarding Jay Lethal is, and this is from the lawsuit, um, Klein was in a hot tub near the pool of a hotel where the wrestlers were staying the night before an event. Shipman, which is Jay Lethal's real name, approached Klein and while leering at her in a way that made Klein uncomfortable, started harassing her by asking her questions about whether her boyfriend was there, if she was staying in the hotel alone, and how long she would be at the hotel. Shipman's behavior made Klein very uncomfortable. Yeah. That's creepy. I would have been trying. Oh, Andy's coughing right now. (laughs) I would have been trying to like move the dresser in front of my like hotel room door after like an encounter like that. Don't ever ask a lady that you don't know well. And even when you do, if you're leering in a hot tub, where her room is, where she lives, where she's staying, no woman wants to give you that info unless she's like fully on board, a hundred percent consenting with like, let's make this happen. It's super creepy to ask. And it's super uncomfortable to know that a guy knows that when you don't want him to. Yep. I think that they are probably at least Tony Khan's probably his mentality is okay. He wasn't actually accused of sexual assault. I'm going to use him. Which is like, Cool mentality. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think, I really hesitate to try and grade the levels of sexual harassment or, or things like that, because you don't want to devalue one woman's reporting over another's. And it is really creepy to have a guy do that to you. And there is a power imbalance and like it or not men, not all men, whatever. Um, the fact that like you legitimately can probably kill us with your hands is like not a comfortable place to be for a woman especially if you're doing weird creepy shit and like i don't think it's not threatening that he leered at her or tried to like 
ask where she was staying and how long she'd be there. And if her boyfriend, uh, presumably a man who could protect her, was around. I think that's really fucking creepy and weird. It's really creepy and weird. And I'm sure, I I don't know this, I can't say I'm sure, but I I can bet that Tony Khan hasn't been in a situation where he's traveling alone and has felt unsafe. Yeah. I, I, as a single woman young single woman had to travel a lot for my job and had to stay in a lot of like hotels by myself. And like, it's scary sometimes, like, you know, like it's just unnerving and you don't know, you you know, like, I don't yeah. know. And That's... the inherent power imbalance too is there because let's be real. Ring of honor is going to value Jay lethal and his celebrity over probably any woman on that roster. Just because, like, that's what makes money, and it's a money-making business, and I get that, but also, like, that's shitty to prioritize money over people. Um, But, again, that's just, like, the structure that she is working in and the people she is being leered at by. (laughs) Like, I think that that's enough to warrant you're a fucking creep, dude. Yep. Don't like it. Don't want it. it. I think this is another example of just, like, I think I've set too high of expectations for AEW (laughs) and they they, they banked inevitably. I mean, they sold you those expectations to be fair. They did. I mean, this is exactly what I expect from, you know, Mm -hmm. as a hardened view of, you know, what reality is. This is kind of what I expect from a company. And I, I just always, I thought that AEW was going to be different. Yeah, and I I know that longtime listeners probably are tired of hearing this and tired of hearing us bitch and moan about, like, (laughs) I hate to even frame it like that because it's not fair, but, like, talking about these issues where women are being mistreated and, oh, is it mistreated enough or, like, whatever to warrant the care, I just can't stop talking about it because it won't stop happening. Like, if it weren't so normalized and dismissed, I wouldn't be so mad about it. Like, I was just thinking, like, oh, even with all the, like, stuff that was said about him, all he had to do was, like, post on Twitter, like, I've been silent because I don't want to, like, fuel the fire, but I guess now I have to say that I didn't do any of this stuff. And it's like, your career's not affected in any way. (laughs) Like, you're signed, you're making money, you're on television, like, I don't know. It doesn't really seem all that fair that there are zero consequences ever. Um, So, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's hard when you look at things, these things in a vacuum and you take it on a situation by situation basis. But when you zoom out and see just like the mounds of shit that came before, it's hard not to take a cynical stance, a cynical view of the subject. I just want to put that out there for people that don't have to deal with it and think about it and maybe like, fold that into your thought process and under try to understand that sense because i know it is tiring but like you don't have to think about it it's tiring to live it that's all i'm saying <laughs> yep Whew, all right times uh so that show is happening uh friday april 1st are you gonna watch uh yes i think i feel like i need to actually i i have my fight tv points as you've pointed out repeatedly i know might have to actually spend them. Can we be in the same location as you and watch together? Let's make plants off mic, okay? 
<laughs> that's, that's what I'll say. <laughs> Let's talk about it later. All right. So, yeah, it's 8 o'clock on April 1st. The new era of Ring of Honor. Let's see what Tony Khan's got in store for us. Yes. Okay, let's talk these shows. AEW Rampage for March 18th, 2022. They were in San Antonio. And uh, we open with Darby Allen versus The Butcher. Oh, oh. Darby Allen wins this match by count out. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually, the way they did it, I thought was pretty cool. Was it, he butchering something? No, he just, he hit him with the coffin drop on the floor. And then I got gasped. back in the ring before the 10 count. That looks so dangerous. It looks so dangerous. Okay. Yeah. So I liked this match. I thought it was I thought it was actually really good. Um and then like they did a big uh brouhaha after the fact with the mm-hmm. Andrade family office and the Hardys and Darby and Sting to set up the fucking crazy <laughs> tornado match they had on Rampage or on uh, Dynamite last night. Oh so, hot uh, damn. Anyway. Yeah, hot damn indeed. Um we get a promo with Scorpio Sky. Uh, and Dan Lambert just talking about, you know, how good they are and how they totally beat <laughs> Wardlow without any controversy. Cheating. Yeah. And uh, and unfortunately, that is as much Rampage as I managed to catch this past week. Oh, so, damn. Uh, Megan, I am going to leave it to you to talk about legit Layla Hirsch versus Red Velvet. Uh, I thought it was good. I... I mean, we'll get to their rubber match on Dynamite, but I don't know. I, I like Layla Hirsch and I like Red Velvet. And was it, did you like, so I, I did not like their Dynamite match last night. Did you, did, was it, were they of similar quality or did you think one was better than the other? Probably similar quality. Okay. I think I just like Layla Hirsch, like muscling people around. Sure. And uh, it looks like Red Velvet got. A victory, thanks to Chris Statlander, just kind of being around. Yeah, hence why she was banned from ringside for the dynamite. Which is kind of fucked up, because, you know, based on what I saw on the replay, she prevented her from using the friggin' turnbuckle wrench. And then when she wasn't there, the turnbuckle wrench got used. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Layla was fully the one cheating at all times. (laughs) The fact that they banned Chris was... um, not oh, well thought out on the rest part, but whatever. Uh, then we had uh, the House of Black versus Bear Country and Fuego del Sol. Um, it was fine, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, this is what you're making the House of Black do. It perplexed me in that sense. It was just, it felt like a downgrade. Um, Would you but, rather you know, like, not seen them? In some ways, yes. Like I. Give me something evil. Maybe not the same, like, standing everyone doing, like, a line of a promo. But, like, I miss those, like, Alistair, not Alistair, Malachi Black, like, home shots where he's, like, you know, doing tarot cards or, like, being evil. Like, mm-hmm. can can they be up to something? Can they be plotting? That's my hope. 
Um, and then in the main event, it was Max Caster versus Keith Lee. Yeah, this one was fun. I mean, um, you know, I prefer an Anthony Bowen singles match, but Max Caster is growing on me. I think he's like entertaining from like a personality standpoint. And Keith Lee is just uh, really impressive as an athlete. I mean, he lifts people up and he tosses them. You can always count on that. Yeah, and he jumps like very far for a man of his stature. And uh, I, I'm seeing from the format that I'm looking at that perhaps there was some uh, Team Taz and Swerve uh, Strickland uh, involvement after the fact. Yes, yes. Swerve is now friends with Keith Lee. Or, okay. I don't know, at least loose al- allies in the sense that like Team Taz is their enemy. But, um, yeah, I think you'll see that play out on what this week's uh, Rampage schedule is for those okay. two. Cool. Yeah. All right. That was Rampage. I'll do better to try to watch the show. Uh, this next Did you week. try to watch live? No, no. I just, okay. uh, I started watching. I forget when I, st- I, I watched it. Like I tried to watch it on Monday, I think. And I only, mm. something came up. I got like, you know, I got tw- like 15 minutes into it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. That's yeah. fair. Like you said, it wasn't like, um, a, their most important people showing up. We could have watched it instead of the, um, award show. I enjoyed the award show. I enjoyed what everything a- about the award show except for Jay Earmuffs, Danhausen. Wow. He's trying to make everything about himself and he wasn't even in AEW in 2021. See, I didn't watch the award show, but I can't imagine Danhausen was trying to be the center of attention. He's usually just shuffling what? around no, in the background. Megan, he was in every <laughs> single. It was so obnoxious. Is it because he was at catering stealing condiments that he just kept coming into every shot being like Danhausen should have won this Twitter and Danhausen should be uh, the the best like your Danhausen impression. My Danhausen impression. Did you hear? Don't listen to this part. (laughs) Jay, it's unrecognizable as Danhausen. Don't worry. Yes, he's a watch. Very nice. Now, Dan Housen. It was a lot, Megan. Like, it was a lot. I liked it. Like, I would have pulled the car over and told them that he was ex- being exhausting. Oh, like you did to me and Dave. Yeah. Two adults in the that were sitting in the back of your car on a trip and you totally bomb moved us. <sighs> Jenny just can't handle humor is what I'm learning. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with good, good humor. Like I enjoy Justin on our podcast. Oh, I thought you meant like the ice cream bars. Oh, those are good too. Never had a Justin ice cream bar. Oh. All right, Megan, dynamite. Dynamite. Okay, let's get into it. In our opening match, we have CM Hunk, as the sign tells us, against FTR's Dax Harwood, and the crowd is here for it. They very loudly express their love for Punk and their hatred for Dax throughout the entire match. The crowd was here for everything. We were not here for Dax, though. We all took a get-our-pizza break when this happened. You did? The match. Oh. Yeah. I I feel like I liked it. This match was great. Like, I, I thought it was quality wrestling that was boosted by the amount of crowd energy. Not that it needed it to be boosted, but just the combination made me feel like 
good match, good crowd energy. It was the kind of crowd energy I like, not the annoying self-aggrandizing chant variety that the crowd sometimes get into. Um, Punk gets the win by tapping Dax out with the Anaconda Vice, and there is surprisingly no cheating from FTR, even though Cash Wheeler comes out near the end to give his buddy props and um, try to, like, do that thing where he, you know, cheers him on to give him energy. Uh, yeah, so good match. The The two gun boys are in the front row for the match, and they manage to briefly distract Dax during it. Um, and then afterwards, they also mock FDR as they're heading towards the back. Uh, with Cash being the one to hold up and support a very beat-up Dax. So, a lot of stuff going on here, but just, like, the quality of the match, I thought was very good. I, I think the chemistry, I mean, I don't know, these two are seasoned pros. It was great. It was like a, uh, you know, it was a Bret Hart tribute match, and they both tweeted about Bret Hart afterwards. So, I continue to think Bret Hart is coming in for something. Well, Okay, I did not understand how it was a Bret Hart tribute match because I don't have the the history, but it's interesting to hear that. Good to know. Yeah. All right, so after that, we get like a a brief interview here, um, or like a promo, I guess. There's no one interviewing, but we <laughs> tonight's main event match is going to be John Silver and Alex Reynolds against Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia, and in preparation for that, we see. We are, we are shown a very old picture of a young John Silver, you can tell because of the arms, um, meeting his hero, a surfer bro-looking version of Chris Jericho. Hollister shirt and all. Yes, and just like this, the dark the sunglasses. Thin, the thin dark sunglasses. Yeah. Yes, I, that was very like early 2000s like time frame, I think. I can't remember, and I can't remember it correctly from what they showed, but my brain is, um, like, putting a puka shell necklace on him, even uh-huh, though if he didn't, yes. even if he wasn't actually wearing one. That is the vibe. That is what Jericho's look was. Wait, now, Megan, I have a question. So, I, I saw this on Instagram earlier in the week and had <laughs> shared it with you all, and I thought John Silver was unrecognizable in this photo. Like, he looks nothing like John Silver does now. But yes. you both said, like, look at the arms. And was it just because the arms were so short? Yeah. It's a very specific body type. Like, even <laughs> as a kid, before he's jacked to, like, the point he is now, his arms just proportionally are not what you expect. look big. They just look short. Yeah. He's got really short arms. It's like a and little T-Rex. he have really short arms. Yeah. He's like the opposite of Jake Hager. Yeah. <laughs> Hager is like an orangutan. Mm-hmm. Silver is like a D-Rex. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the kid didn't have a beard, but he's a child in that picture, so he wouldn't. But yeah. I don't know. So, <laughs> we got their history, basically. And uh, and then we cut back to the Jericho Appreciation Society. And Jericho jazz. starts... Jazz. Let's, let's just call it jazz to be insulting. Okay, jazz. Um, and Jericho, you know, he's like, that's such a heartwarming story that that little 12 year old John Silver got to meet his hero long ago. And now he's going to get to face him in the ring. Uh, and then Jericho goes on to say, like, he doesn't really care 
that John Silver loved him, he will still beat his ass in the ring. Um, and then at that that point, the group kind of gets sidetracked because Jericho takes a tangent on how Santana and Ortiz board and Santana and Ortiz betrayed him. And then this kind of leads the whole group to claim that Santana and Ortiz, along with Eddie Kingston, are just like not around because they destroyed them and they won't be coming back. And even, you know, do the little mocking like they check behind the curtains and like, oh, they're not here. Oh, they didn't come see us. And it's like Santana and Ortiz and Kingston are going to come back and kick all of your asses. And I'm going to be so excited. The one barely moved the curtain to check. That was not a thorough check. Cool Maybe hand and or daddy magic? Has a penis, one of them. What? <laughs> Don't they both, as far as we know? <laughs> also, shouldn't Both of those stupid nicknames just mean I have a penis. Daddy magic and cool hand Angelo, is that their... Okay. I need to write that down somewhere now that they changed it. No, you don't need off. to write that down, Megan. You do not need to throw me off. doesn't need to make space for this. I mean, I have to refer to them as such because it clearly really annoys you. And I think that's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the state of affairs for Jazz at the moment. And they will be coming back in the main event. But for now, we have an eight-man tornado tag team match with Sting. Darby and the Hardys against Butcher and the Blade and Private Party. And as I learned from JR, the rules for this type of match are that tagging is not required. Literally, everyone can be in the ring at the same time, fighting at once. But the pinfall or submission to win must happen in the ring. So this match gets chaotic very quickly. The crowd loses their shit, as they are wont to do. Um, But, like... It's poorly planned from a tactical perspective because with those rules, uh, over half the participants just leave the ring area immediately. (laughs) They go into the stands and then eventually they make it to the concourse and um, they're just out of the only place where they can actually legitimately pin someone. But one of them made it to the concourse in a very what looked like painful way. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, We'll get to that little Darby. But yeah, yeah. it was Matt Hardy who remained in the ring, along with what I thought was just Isaiah Cassidy, but ended up being both him and Mark Quinn. And um, the match ended when eventually Matt uh, Matt Hardy pinned Mark Quinn. That I and I think that he was the legal man. But also, Sting was right next to him doing like a, a pinning Isaiah Cassidy at the same time. So honestly, either of them could have been the winners. I didn't really know, but yeah, there's some crazy shit that happened in this match. Poor, poor Sting. Um, he just they, he couldn't. He had they, a sixties. They moment. went. Yeah, they 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 tried a really complicated, like, flying move into the Scorpion Death Drop, and Sting fell down. And then he kept trying to, like, get back up while holding on to Mark Quinn. They do the thing where it's like a bridge up, you know? Yeah, and he kept falling. I looked away eventually. I think they ended up finally getting it, some form of it. But, oh, it was rough. The crowd was like, we don't care. We love you, Sting. You can do (laughs) no wrong. Yes, they definitely gave him a mulligan, which was nice. Um, As for the legal man, I think because it's a tornado match, there is no everyone's a legal man. Oh, good point. So, like, just the fact that anyone pinned anyone. Yeah, just so it doesn't matter. Okay. So, yeah, that's how the match ended. But, Andy, I'm 
I assumed you had things to say about this match, like spots, because it was, it was kind of cool. I had two spots to say. Can I say those? Yeah, of course. Jenny, I so, apologize. I don't want to minimize your opinion. I just thought you would freak out about the number of people and, I and check out. was super annoyed when I heard that anyone can be in the ring at the same time. <laughs> but luckily, they all decided, oh, hey, we don't want to be in the ring. Right. So I'm a little bit more tolerable when it's a, like, a, a field trip match. <laughs> like. Like a free for all where they like just the stadium leave. stampede. I love the stadium stampede. Let's let's just go on a field trip. Yeah, as long as there are no fake trash cans involved, mm-hmm. and there were not. And so, I'm probably gonna get this wrong, so I'm sure both of you can correct me. But Darby Allen was pushed <laughs> down a flight of concrete stairs. Not pushed, thrown. Thrown. Oh, it was rough. Guys, that is how you lose a baby. That is how you break a back. <laughs> I don't think he was pregnant at the time. And if he had been, I assume he would not have taken the bump. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're totally right, though, Jenny. That When that happened, I was like, oh, Darby, why did you okay that spot? It was actually that same day. I've been, and we'll get to this later. I've been listening to the ladies' podcast. The that's Office The ladies. Office Ladies' podcast. And um, so it's Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. And that same day, they told me that Jenna was talking about how on Fun Run Part 2 oh God. that she couldn't run because she had broken her back over <gasps> the summer. She fell down the stairs. And she was at a, um, off at NBC corporate event. Um, and she was just walking down a flight of stairs and Angela was right behind her and someone must have spilt their drink on a flight of stairs and she fell down the flight of stairs and she broke four of the vertebrae in her back. Oh no. And I just thought like, it was literally the same day that I had listened to that episode as when Darby allowed himself to be thrown down concrete stairs. So you had already been exposed to like just how fragile our human backs are. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I understand that Darby is probably younger than Jenna Fisher was at that p- time, but probably not that much because I think Jenna Fisher was fairly young at that point. Because he's it was pro- no between offense to Jenny three and four. No offense to Jenna Fisher, but he's probably more limber than her, just as like potentially, yes, yeah, a, a person that gets tossed around on a regular basis. True, but even but, so, that looked horrifying. That was horrifying. And then Darby is twenty nine now. Oh, I think Jenna Fisher would have been younger than him then. Darby's 29? Mm-hmm. I thought he was Those younger. are not the decisions you make as a 29-year-old. No, Darby, when are you going to realize that you're... When are you going to... Well, he knows he's got, like, mortality he's comfortable with. It, when are you going to realize that you, you don't need to go, like, kill yourself early on accident? Yeah, I don't, like... The, the last time I saw him on Instagram, he was using a flame torch to set his cabinets on fire. Jenna was 33 when she was she 30. Okay, so but about the same age. I'm going to say 29 and 33 are very similar in age. Okay. They are. They're on the tipping the point of like now you're an adult. Yes. <laughs> your your 20s are yes. You're not in your young you're not in your low 20s anymore. Even if your mind is your body is just I don't know. It, no matter how hard you try, eventually the body it, it gives up, you know? 
So that was a lot um, to see that. But apparently he's fine because I don't know if we were supposed to see him because I don't think we saw him again until the end of the match. But like Jeff Hardy does this crazy spot where he like sets up a ladder and that he just happens to find in the concourse, which I love. I'm like, that's just sitting out. (laughs) Finds this giant ladder and then doesn't jump off the ladder. No, he goes onto some sort of like board, like um, a beam on the wall next to the window, like probably like, I would say 25, 30 feet feet up in the air. I think that ladder was a 12 footer, 12 to 16 footer is what I would say. Really tall ladder. And then that beam was even higher. And then he decides to jump off of the of the wall of Swanton the bombs. Yeah. Yes. And but you saw and I don't know if the cameraman was supposed to catch this because I think we were supposed to still think that Darby was hurt. But Darby got up and went over to the side to watch what I assume could only be his hero, Jeff Hardy, like do this spot. And then I assume he went back to selling. But that that's what I took away from this match. I thought he and I thought he and uh, Sting were like pretty, pretty blatantly supposed to be on camera, like laying in hammer fists to the butcher and the blade to keep them down on the tables. Uh, Sting for sure was. Sting was Darby like wasn't, wasn't even anywhere near it. He was in a corner. He okay. was about forty feet away from the action, but he was. Was Matt there then? Was it was it was it Sting and Matt? No, it was Sting and. I guess Darby would have had to be there, Jenny. No, it wasn't Darby because he wasn't anywhere near the action. He was against the wall watching. And I don't think we were supposed to see him watching. Well, okay. Then Jeff must have done something to the Butcher and the Blade to get them to, like, stay in place on those tables. Because he set him up. Sting was definitely there to hold one of them down. Um and then quickly move out of the way as Jeff did his thing. Yeah, he was out of the (laughs) way. Everyone was out of the way. But yeah, I was too busy being like, oh, Jeff, Jeff Hardy, you're you're going up so high. Oh, no. And remember when his brother like joined the company and then he tried to do that really high spot and then he fucking like concussion himself concussion and was out for months. And I was just like, oh, my God, Jeff, like, don't do the same thing. Yeah. Although, I mean, I know. The Hardy Boys legacy is that they're very flippy, but I always thought Jeff was the one who took it one step further. I didn't think Matt was the one who was known for that. Like, they both did it when they were younger, but these days, I always just pictured Jeff doing the crazy stuff and Matt staying mostly grounded, <laughs> I guess is what I would I would call it. But yeah. Either way, that latter spot was bananas. Jeff Hardy, calm down. Um, please don't hurt yourself, is what I would say. So, Jenny, those were your two spots, right? Yes. Two spots you thought about. Andy, did you have any other spots outside of those that you wanted to highlight? The um, When Private Party hit Matt with that like kind of double side effect off the stage through the table, that was pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. I didn't think he was getting back up from that. Got to say. Yeah, yeah. Sting, uh, at the very beginning of the match, like, right, Darby hit his, like, bullet tope. And then Sting, like, immediately followed up with a big crossbody. And, like, he was not in control at any point during that. 
Um, thankfully, there was a lot of people. <laughs> thankfully, he was okay. But um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I thought this match was even better than the um, than the uh, tornado match at the pay per view, which had uh, Andrade and. Because uh, you remember that one? It was like it was it was Sting and Darby and. Uh, oh, who's the other team? It was. Sting, Darby, and then Andrade and uh, Matt were on the other side. And then there was a third team. Oh no, it was a sixth man. It was Sammy and uh, Sting and Darby against yes. Andrade and uh, and uh, Matt, Matt. And somebody I forget. But anyway, yeah, like so, it was a it was a six man tag. Yeah, this one. Um, I was actually really surprised how much I liked this match because I was just like, oh god, this is a this is going to be probably a little clunker. No, this is a blast. <laughs> yeah. And and for like a just regular ass dynamite television show match, I was impressed. I'm like they really gave it all, their all. Like, yeah, was, this was this was awesome, yeah. Yeah. So The show the first like was like first half hour of the show was totally killer. Yeah. It's like nonstop. And the crowd again cannot compliment them enough this crowd was the perfect crowd they're pretty fucking great yeah <sighs> so all that happened that was quite a quite an event uh but afterwards we go to tony shivani who is talking to both members of fdr and he points out that there were some issues with austin and colton gunn in the opening match of tonight's show um cash says that he thinks the ass boys are trying to ride the wave of their dad's fame and that they have not earned the level of respect that Billy Gunn has and that they think they have by being part of basically his family. And then Dax says, I refuse to call you their your gimmick name of the ass boys or by, I guess they're like actual names because he starts to say Colton and then he's like, no, you know what? From here on out, I'm going to refer to you as Billy's sons. Um, so yeah, I think, I believe they have a match on Rampage this week to settle some business between the two of them, the two teams. So look forward to that. I just think that your writing should be better than having to actually say we're good guys or like, like they never turn face. They've never done anything to turn face. And all of a sudden, we're supposed to believe their face. And they, they actually had to address the crowd of like, hey, we're good now. And it's like, no, you shouldn't have to tell us that. We should just instinctly know that you're good. <laughs> I think they're still in the process of the face turn. No, they think they've done it and they haven't done it. They haven't even attempted it. Just because you fire an old man doesn't make you a face. Some might argue that makes you a heel. Yeah, firing an old man. Well, they fired the old man because they were like concerned about their family, and he was like, he "I was... didn't understand that." I understand, like they said, it's about family. Like they didn't even have a corona out there. How am I supposed to <laughs> understand? I I have a I, I don't know. I have I have a theory about where this is going next week, but I don't know if you want me to say that now or or not. I kind of do because the fact that the gun club is just out there picking fights with FTR seems kind of random. Okay. So this loops into MJF's promo. So in MJF's promo, he mentioned at the very end of it, he said like anybody who thinks like the pinnacle is like dead and gone, like, you know, 
we're not, you're going to see FTR in action next week or whatever, whatever the line was. But I'm thinking now that maybe because we know the FTR is on a babyface trajectory, despite what Jenny says, <laughs> that that next week we see Spears and MJF turn on FTR and the gun club replaces them in the pinnacle. Oh, damn. I mean, I think that's a downgrade for the pinnacle, but I don't really care. It is, but <laughs> so was, you know, 2.0 for Santana and Ortiz. And, but the purpose is you put these guys with stars and you try to make them stars. True. Yes. And, oh, we, ooh, let me see. I'm looking ahead at my notes. It, there's another perhaps segment with, no, there's not. So, okay. It's interesting that you say that about jazz. Because what I thought tonight or this this show really showed is that like Jericho had a group of people that shoot he wanted to elevate, but Kayfabe were like like people who liked him but also could stand on their own. They just didn't seem to realize that. And so he mm-hmm. he was surrounded with a bunch of talented people that didn't actually need him. Like, like their talent was there the whole time. And now he's replaced them with essentially a bunch of ass-kissing yes-men who also, shoot, need the, the boost and I think will do them well. But it's very Jericho to be like, you talk back to me, so you gots to go. Uh, can I get all these people who are hyping me up as I make my entrance and who are talking about how good I am and, like, just worship me? Like, it just makes such sense that he surrounds himself with that type of young yeah. star being like, Jericho, you're the best. I love you so much. Like, they won't turn on him unless he does something really extreme and he just gets constant praise. It, it makes total sense, and I love that. The Pinnacle, I think, is a different vibe, but... Like you said, it would be good to cycle in new new blood to to elevate them as well. So that's like just an interesting sort of dynamic. I get when there's only Austin Gunn that you have <laughs> to have him around. <laughs> but this is a choice. Like you have other people. I don't really like FTR. But like, I don't know why you would willingly choose to hang out with Austin Gunn. Other than when it's only him, and that's your only choice. So the so what I'm thinking is it's a different motivation than Jericho for MJF. MJF is going to replace FDR because he thinks that they are not getting the results. Because I'm looking at I'm looking at the recent record, and at Holiday Bash is when he teamed with FTR against Punk and Darby and Sting, and they lost. Okay. Uh, then on Dynamite in February, Punk and Moxley beat FTR in a tag. Then they had two shots to get into the tag team title match, the pay-per-view, and, law, and didn't win either Battle Royale. Wait, Royal. they had two shots? Well, because yeah, there, were there were two, two Battle, battle Royals. Royals. Back-to-back weeks. That's how Red and Dragon then, and the Bucks could get in. And then, just last night, Dax lost you know a singles match to CM Punk, who is, you know, obviously the number one enemy of MJF. So he's yeah. probably extra sensitive about those losses. True. True. I, yeah. This is totally happening. I, yes. You make a great point. I still think that like, I don't know. 
you're trading in FTR for the gun club. Sure, FTR hasn't won <laughs> yeah, recently, right. but <laughs> but you know what? But like we're this is one of those things. Like if it happens, and who knows, it might right. not happen. But yeah. if it happens, this is one of those things that we're we're not going to be able to know. We'll, we'll know six months from now. You know, we won't know. We won't know on the night. You know, mm-hmm. if if it was the right move. No, that's true. I I don't think that your prediction is bad, and I think you're probably right. I just think it's funny, just from like a on paper standpoint, like you're trading FTR for the Gun Club. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. I like that they keep us guessing with these factions. I'm into mm-hmm. it. All right. Well, from there, the next match we have is an absolute slaughter. Of the Varsity Blondes by Brian Danielson and John Moxley, who are now referring to their faction with Regal as the Blackpool Combat Club. Very cool, boys. Um, it's Moxley that gets the win by tapping Griff Garrison out with a rear naked, to- naked choke. But that comes right after he and Danielson did tandem acts of violence, which I loved. Danielson kicked kicked in Brian Pillman Jr.'s head while Moxley hammered elbows down on Griff Garrison right beside him all around. Very violent, very fun. Um, love that. Love this match. Love this team. Love this faction. <laughs> yeah, I- it's the best one. And uh, Moxley has the cardio of a Midwestern, which I totally appreciate versus compared to Adam Cole later. <laughs> Like when there. they do their promos right after, I just, I love how real Moxley is. <laughs> I would be hyperventilating. He did better than I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Corn fed Midwestern boy. <laughs> I just, I love, I love Moxley and Brian Danielson together. I think it was excellent. Yes. And also, since you mentioned it, it should be said this was a battle of Cincinnati because Pillman and Moxley are both Cincinnati mm-hmm. boys. Well, we oh, can't support Renee any longer because she has gotten too full of herself <laughs> once she moved to Cincinnati. But um, fully support Moxley as the the leader of Cincinnati over Brian Pillman Jr. Andy looks like he's in on that lateral decision you've made. <laughs> so I went. I logged on to shop at AEW this morning because um, I was thinking like, oh man, like it was the first time I felt very motivated to like order a t-shirt in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I thought like they must have a Blackpool Combat Club shirt up. But yes. I think I'm going to have to I think I'm going to have to wait for another design cuz I don't really like this this Ew, initial one. I'll no. show it to you, Megan. Oh, no. That could yeah, be so much cooler. It's a mm. bloody fist that just says Blackpool Combat Club That's on it. That's terrible. That they, font is boring. Yeah, I there will say. be there will be better shirts, I'm sure, but uh they often don't get it right the first time. Remember that first hook shirt that just said hook on it? It didn't <laughs> like, even say send. Yeah. Yes. They had to wait for the second shirt to have this to have send hook. But uh that first hook shirt though, like sold everything out though. It did very well, yeah. But uh Did you re-sign up for your box, your t-shirt box? I did not, no. Oh, I thought you were going to. No, I decided against it. Maybe you would get a a better <laughs> shirt there. Maybe. Perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> I'm with you, though. I would totally get a Blackpool Combat Club shirt, but I was picturing more like maybe like a vintage like like boxing or like fighting style, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of um, shirt, which I think would be really cool. I don't like yeah. that design you showed me, though. That was bad. No, I, don't either, so. I got a bunch <laughs> of AEW shirts when they first started, mm-hmm. and I love the soft style. 
And I was super all in on this, like, excellent, idealized, you know, show and company. And uh, now we, we don't have time to get back into this again. Well, no, no, no I'm just saying that <laughs> the theme of the night is how AEW. Uh, but now you're. But now you're out. It's like, and you don't it's want. It's like to my them. love of AEW is fading, just like my shirts. And you don't have any love for AEW left, so you don't want to replace them. Well, I would really love to replace the shirt that I got from Megan and I that says "Best Friends" that I wear weekly on our Saturday night movie club night because <laughs> mine is really worn and Megan's looks pristine. Inside out, wash on cold, delicate cycle. That's all I'm Andy's, saying. Andy does our laundry now, and that I don't think is how he washes them. That's I washed them. Uh, I washed them on normal cycle uh, on cold, but not uh, inside out. But normally they're probably inside out. I never flip my shirts. If you take yeah. your shirt inside off, right. put it inside out in the laundry. Just saying. I'm just saying it probably but, comes. I mean, I mean, inside out normally. I think the problem is like that shirt was too far gone already. Oh no, because yeah. it was with our old washer. Yeah. So yeah, we got new washers. My old washer was it was rough. Okay. Well, I'm also a monster that just since the college days have done my best to like only do one load of laundry. So I turn it on cold and I put everything in. <laughs> that's that's how I roll. Once a week. Bam. I think you must not change your clothes as often as I do. Because I feel like what we have multiple because Andy, I, you know, I don't think it's Andy that's like filling up the laundry baskets no it's not and i'm not wearing normal i'm not wearing like real clothes i'm just wearing like sweat clothes but but you change every day i wear my pajamas and i wear the same bottoms and sometimes the same tops two days in a row so like i'm not generating that much laundry that's what i'm saying i do five loads of laundry a week wowzers okay (laughs) i um i get i feel like i at work I like, I get, I, I sweat through my clothes sometimes. Yeah. You, you, you wear, home. you wear at least two outfits a day. At least. Yeah. And about five pairs of underwear. And you always change into, you <laughs> always day? have like, separate pajamas. I, night. I like to feel very crisp and clean all throughout the day. I just, I'll change midway through the day. I'm like, mm, I just feel a little grody right now. Okay, that's why you're doing five loads of laundry. <laughs> I know, Good I know. God. I know. Yeah, I don't, you know what, though? I can't complain. I, I have a pretty good otherwise. So. <laughs> okay. Well, that's why your shirt's getting roughed up. It's like my shirt no longer smells like um, Tide. And then I'm like, oh, I've got I've to change it. Like, oh. I can't just, like, smell Tide wafting through the air. So I have to change it. I have sat in my own filth for two to three days before just because like why not you know why not i i feel itchy like i i don't know i have like a weird like i don't like to all right i know i'm a monster but in some ways you are too that's all i'm saying oh yes no we're like monsters but in the opposite direction i get it exactly exactly so yeah my best friend shirt has not worn the test of time well, you wash it too often. I Yeah, I think that's the case. You do. But, yeah. but that's the only one I want because all the other best friend shirts have too many people on them. And best friends are two people. Well, we'll get into how the best friends are sort of paring down their numbers in a little bit here. But for now, the Blackpool Combat Club is a solid three. And uh, <laughs> after the match, Moxley gets on the mic to... Um, 
put over his his friends Danielson and Regal, uh, the only man whose opinion matters to him. And um, he says that anyone who thinks they have what it takes to stand beside them will have to earn that privilege the hard way. So I'm assuming that their group will not grow quickly uh, because that's just like a lot of violence that has to occur. And they've already turned away Wheeler, Utah um, last week. Wheeler, Utah, who got slapped in the face by Regal. So one would argue he he did kind of take one thing hard but yeah good match enjoyed it very fun yes very talented very talented very good yeah (laughs) um also it should be noted that the varsity blonde started out in the ring so we didn't see their entrance and as a result i didn't initially see julia hart with them but it turns out she was there we see her kind of midway through the match she is sulking on the ring steps in the varsity blondes corner but she keeps her back to the ring the whole time and i'm so excited and still fully convinced that eventually she will join the goth group you know i think it's okay to have a sulk every now and then i think it's okay to stamp your foot every now and then and I fully support her attitude and her demeanor during this match. She's still got the eye patch. She's still suffering the effects of the black mist. So, yeah, it is kind of understandable that she's not in the best of moods. But I, I want the turn. I want her to join the dark side. I think that the cult probably needs a lady's touch <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, so we'll see. But I did, I did like that. They're doing kind of the slow burn storytelling that AEW is good at with her. I hope. I believe. I like that even William Regal had to like walk past. She didn't even move on the steps for him. No, it's like she doesn't understand that royalty is in her vicinity. Like, No, good for her. Good for her. Not moving for a man. You know, I'm on board with that idea, but I also just think William Regal is just the best. So charming. He was on commentary. Once again, he referred to Excalibur as man with the mask. And like, he always says, Mr. Shivani, Mr. Ross. Uh, I don't know. He's just so charming. He is very charming. Wonderful dude. Love him. So, yeah, that was that match. If there are no further comments, we will go to the next segment, which we touched on a little bit earlier. Uh, MJF. Comes out to the ring. He's got his lackey Sean Spears tagging behind, or yeah, tagging behind him. Um, he's got his chair in hand, and there are four security guards standing between the entrance ramp and the ring. They are presumably hired by MJF, but also I feel like maybe general um, ring security staff, AEW staff. Regardless, they'll come into play a little later. So MJF is out here and he expresses disappointment that Wardlow doesn't honor his business agreements. Um, unlike Wardlow, MJF would have done what he said and allowed Wardlow to keep the TNT championship if he'd been able to get the job done and beat Scorpio last week, which he did not. Uh, but we'll get back to Wardlow. MJF moves on briefly to CM Punk, who he calls out for deciding to cheat to win at Revolution. He says he uh, has beaten him clean. Two times? Three times? Two or three times? Whatever. But um, he promises that there will be another match in the future between the two of them. Date and location unknown at this point. 
And at that time, he will deliver Punk the greatest defeat of his career. Ultimately, though, MJF will not stop until he's put Punk in his grave and then pissed on it. So, beautiful imagery there. Wonderful. Just wonderful. Uh, But back to Wardlow. MJF calls Wardlow a greedy little pig for, I guess, wanting money in exchange for his services, which I think is a messed up view. And also, like, capitalism, y'all. Um... So MJF claims he saved Wardlow from destitution, essentially, by having him come to work for him, uh, for him and not AEW, to be clear. He says Wardlow signed a deal with the devil and all those deals are ironclad. So MJF plans to not only keep Wardlow under contract, but also to make his life a living hell as long as that contract lasts. Um, Wardlow obviously can only take so much. And when MJF says he'll toss Wardlow's mother out of her house and onto the street. That is the war dog's breaking point. Wardlow has been restrained, or Wardlow comes out, but he has to be restrained by the four guards that were already out there, and then more AEW security guys pile on on top of them. So I think it ends up being like six to eight security guards that are holding the war dog back. Um, MJF laughs. He says, you know, I vowed to pay you, Wardlow, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you stay home until everyone forgets who you are and that you exist at all. And then he orders security to get Wardlow out of there, but Wardlow goes kind of on his own accord. So, you know, good job, Wardog. He does scream at MJF as he's leaving, but he, he leaves willingly. And then MJF, as Andy said before, looks to the crowd and assures them that the pinnacle is still a thing. And now that Wardlow has been kicked out, they will ascend to their proper status in the company. So, all in all, just, like, MJF being a dick. The crowd hated him. They love Wardlow, which you'd expect. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Jesus stuff. Oh, yeah, because MJF said the devil makes ironclad deals, and then they were like, Jesus, bring us Jesus. But I think uh, I think it was Texas Jesus was in the crowd. That's what they were chanting. <gasps> was he there? They yeah. the cameraman did not focus in like you'd expect. Jenny spotted him. Ah, uh, damn. I wish the camera work had had helped. But yeah, that was funny. And then MJF took a pretty um hard stance and said he'd put Wardlow on the cross like Jesus, which I feel like was just, just quite the image. Very violent. So. Yes, very violent. Very violent. Dan Housen, is that you? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's MJF's business. And the more you talked about um, future plans for the Pinnacle, the more kind of exciting I it is to like think of how they're going to shake things up. So, what if what if the Ass Boys are like big stars like nine months from now? Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> You know, it would, but also, like, there are multiple things, I think, that I've said on this podcast and then months down the line had a, done a complete 180 on. So, good Lord, help, like, God help me if <laughs> in, like, eight months I'm praising the antics of the ass boys. Yeah. I'll do it if it's warranted. That's the thing is uh, I'm willing to change my views and, and grow um, but I'll have to see it to believe it. So check in eight months from now. But anyway, in this time, in this place, Tony Schiavone, he is interviewing the best friends. 
Um, this is the first time the best friends have been together with Wheeler Yuta since last week's match where Yuta essentially tried to defect. Um, Trent steps up and <laughs> lets Yuta know in no uncertain terms that he never liked him. And he thinks it's really messed up that Yuta would turn his back on Chuck and Orange after they trained him. And, you know, they did like him. Um, Yuta, he, he's kind of fine with this criticism. He said, you know, Trent, I never liked you either. And then he makes it clear that he was never trying to be the best friend he could be. He was trying to be the best wrestler. And he well, thinks they should respect that. Friend. Well, I get the impression that he is no longer part of their group. I mean, he walks away, uh, leaving the best friends kind of like Chuck and Orange look kind of burnt. Trent looks like as mad as he did to start, but he didn't like him. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say they're not inviting him to group events anymore. Do you think um do you think that the Blackpool Combat Club is gonna make him be their young boy for a while first and like earn it? <gasps> I would love that if we could get like a shooter vibe in here, like <laughs> Yeah. Uh that'd be great. Because Regal did say, like, Yuda told him I'm gonna be back, and Regal was like, Okay, come back when you're ready. I said, All right, sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm but, you know, there's going to be some heavy hazing for poor little Yuta, but he probably thinks it's worth it. God, I love William Regal so much. He is the best. I'm so happy he's here. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I would love that journey for Yuta. Who knows? But for now, we turn back to the ring. We've got Adam Cole against uh, Jay Lethal who we spoke in length about earlier. Um, this match was a, like a technically proficient match. I I have to acknowledge that both of these men are very talented. Um, Adam Cole does cheat to get the win. He he gives Lethal a ball shot before he does the boom on him. Um, Red Dragon was on the outside of the ring to provide the distraction that was necessary. And, uh, you know, that was kind of how that all played out. Ball watch 2022. Crowd yep. was insane for this one, especially with dueling chance and everything. Yeah. Jay, Jay Lethal, very over um, mm. for a guy who never wins on television. Yeah. Yeah. I And is largely rele- relegated to, I'm assuming, dark and or elevation. Like, we don't really see him that much. Yeah. He's. I. I. I I'm just so curious as to what form this Ring of Honor thing is going to take, take because I could I could almost see Tony Khan wanting to shift him back to that roster because he has such a long legacy with with art with Ring of Honor to begin with, you know? Yeah, yeah, you could definitely just like migrate him back over. Yeah, you can really set the tone at the top there. <laughs> hey, he is the star. We don't know what Ring of Honor is going to be like as far as they're having this pay per view, right? But I'm yeah. assuming no plans have been been like shared as far as regular shows, even if not weekly. Like Tony Khan's the the few comments that he's made about it make me think that a lot of things are still in flux as far as like weekly TV and and all the, all those kinds of things. Mm. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I'd be fine if Jay Lethal just went over there. Uh, but we'll see. Um, 
Adam Cole wins. This is not a Ring of Honor podcast. Are you not, Megan? Are you not going to be like part of the spinoff podcast into the Tonyverse? (laughs) I mean, I'll be part of it. (laughs) I'll bring the White Claw guys. I do like White Claw. Well, that much is clear. I mean, when we hit summer, which is coming soon, I just imagine you'll be all white clawed out this whole oh, time. She's already I been on it. Got myself oh, a later, which is a broomie cozy koozie for the white claw. Oh, the tall boy? Yep. Um, super happy with it. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. So Jenny's prepping for the summer. Okay. She's I'm sure Tony Khan has like a thousand varieties of that. <laughs> oh, and she got me a, um, like the uh, beer can, like the 12 ounce can. Variety. I have one of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, I use it currently for um, sparkling water. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've been using it mostly for Diet Cokes so far, but I, I did have one one beer in it um, so far, and, and it works. Yeah. yeah, I love a brewmate. Yeah. Good stuff. If you would like to sponsor us, brewmate, we are willing and able. We will trade. Uh, we will trade plugs for product. You don't even have to give us money. Yeah, would love like just you know to round out my collection with. I guess I have to get a tall, tall one for the white claws, and also you know give me a coffee cup. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could outfit my whole cabinet with brewmate and uh, just use that as my glassware. My current coffee mugs are Swig. So, Swig, if you would like to sponsor us, we would take coffee mugs from you. Yeah, selling out. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Hands down. It's not selling out if you're currently using the product. It's true. <laughs> a sponsorship. It's true. We, we are just kind of giving them giving them space. But anyway... Get back to Gloria Farrar, if you would like to sponsor us. Yes, everybody get at us if you want to sponsor. Um, but for now, that match happened. And then afterwards, um, Adam Cole steps up. He takes the mic. He claims there's nobody on the planet that deserves the AEW World Championship more than him. He says Hagman stole his victory over him at Revolution. I still don't really know why, because it was pretty cut and dry. Uh, he claims that Hangman is a coward because he won't come out to face him and Red Dragon, it should be noted. But he says man to man. So what he's essentially saying is you're a coward because you won't come face the three of us one on one. Math doesn't one work, three. Adam. Yeah, math doesn't work there. So um, Hangman maybe stupidly just comes to the ring anyway. He's like, oh yeah, you're right. I should face you man to man and also with Red Dragon. Um he gets out to the ring. He starts to take off his belt. Adam looks. Adam Cole looks confused. Like, are we going Magic Mike out here? And then <laughs> Hangman proceeds to just hit all three men with the belt. The leather belt, which is probably very painful. Um, but since there are three of yeah, them. Yeah, you can tell Adam Cole did not grow up in the South. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, what huh? is this? Where did Adam Cole grow up? Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh, too? I think. He's from Pittsburgh? He's from somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't think he's really from Panama City. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, he's he wasn't prepared for somebody to, like, take their belt off and then hit him <laughs> with it. <laughs> but, yeah. Even though Adam Page had 
the belt on his side, uh, he stupidly tosses it away after just hitting everyone once and then quickly Lancaster. gets overpowered. Hmm. Yeah. So um, because Adam Page gets overpowered, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Christian Cage all have to run out to save him because they're all friends now. And uh, Adam Cole takes this opportunity to literally steal the AEW world title belt and just take it with him as he walks up the stage. So I, I guess he just has it now. It's just like not he's not the legit champion, but he also like took possession of it. I think that's bad juju. I don't think I don't think he's gonna be successful in the rematch now. No, that's like it's like it's not yours, but it could. You, I guess possession is nine tenths of a lot. It's like when you it's like when you start celebrating too early on a touchdown uh, reception, and then yes. you get tackled at like the one yard line. <laughs> yes, yes, I get what you're saying. It is it's it's bad luck, and you shouldn't be doing it. Um, Adam seems pretty happy to do it he seems like yeah this is mine now and just walks away with it oh should we should mention we should mention (laughs) what a mensch that adam page is uh we should mention that um in after the uh the cm punk dax match cm punk who made uh i want the belt gestures at the Mm pay-per-view did so again after this win and also went so far as to pretend to uh, wrap a noose around his neck and pull on it. I was really confused yep. by that gesture. Yeah. Excalibur tried to explain it as that's him using the dog collar to elevate himself, but I was like, I don't think that's like, <laughs> no. that's not like Excalibur standard dog collar. <laughs> yeah. it's like, so I am, I am, I am fairly certain that, uh, that Adam Cole is not going to be successful here. And we are going to get that hangman versus CM punk match for, I imagine double or nothing. Dude, I'm that into seems, it. That seems too big a match That's to not a do on paper. That's a slow burn. Yeah. Well, they still got to do the Cole page rematch, which hasn't even been announced yet. Yeah, but I would I would like to see that. I think that'd be really good. Yeah. Into it. All right. Well, something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much you want to look forward to this next thing, but we get a brief <laughs> video promo. Um. Apparently, there's going to be a match on Rampage on Friday in Dustin Rhodes' hometown of Austin, Texas, where he will fight Lance Archer. And um, I didn't remember, but I was reminded by this video that the last time Lance and Dustin faced each other in a match was during the factory days of AEW (laughs) in the pandemic. They showed the old windowless you know, at the time I was like, oh, this is fine. And then we like kind of graduated <laughs> to Daly's place again. Um, you know, was, anything was, was fine for those first few weeks of the pandemic. Yeah, it was quite a, quite a jarring image to go back to, to see like just the two of them fighting in this enclosed space. Um, you know, like very weird. So... I don't know why they've decided to have a rematch at this point in time. I don't fully think that anything specifically triggered it, but this is happening. And um, I don't know. Like, I guess that's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Two Um, tall guys trying to kill each other. Yeah. I'd love that they're just like, even though this happened over two years ago, we're going to show it to you. (laughs) Yeah. 
even though the footage doesn't look great compared to where yeah. we are now. <laughs> that was the, um, that was, I believe, either a quarterfinal or a semifinal match in the uh, TNT, the, the initial TNT title tournament. Oh, they didn't even mention that. But wow, that's even kind of more niche. Just well, like they would have, they would have had to mention that uh, they would. I think they would have had to mention Cody for context if they were gonna bring that up because the whole point was that Cody was on the other side of the bracket and and Lance beat the shit out of his brother. True, but you know this is AEW. So do you think they're just gonna pretend Cody doesn't exist the way WWE does when people leave, or that they're just gonna be kind of comfortable with the history? I think it would be comfortable with the history. I just don't think it was, it was. It just wasn't necessary to bring up that much context for this, you know, this rampage match. Okay. Okay. Fair. So yeah, that that is happening on Friday. Rampage. See how it goes. Um, next up, we get Tony Schiavone out in the ring. He is going to be talking to Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti. Uh, Tony just wants to check in with Sammy and Tay. Ty, because the last time we saw the two of them, things did not go so well. Uh, it was it's just like pretty bad outcome for that couple uh sammy gets on the mic and he says i lost the tnt championship but i accept that like it seems like he's come to terms with it he's at peace with it which is really great that's very mature good out outlook on life he says that while he may not have the tnt championship he still has his career he will continue to put on an amazing show for the fans bump card be damned um because with his style of wrestling, it's uh, it's possible his career will be shorter than someone like, say, MJF. Uh, Ty is decidedly less zen about the whole situation. She actually gets on the mic and says, I want revenge. Like, me and Sammy both want revenge, to be fair. She, like, as a couple, they want revenge. Um, she calls out Paige Van Zant specifically because, you know, they had some... They had some stuff going down between the two of them um and at this point Dan did you Lam- say that did you say that she wants revenge it did she wants revenge yeah like that band that um <laughs> yeah is that band still around no i don't know i don't think so i mean interpol's still around and i feel like they were copying like the 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 chain back to uh whatchamacallit you know, the famous band that I can't call to mind right now. Strokes? Nope. <laughs> From the 80s. Lead singer killed himself. Uh, dire Straits? Nope. I mean, I don't know what happened with Dire Straits. I can't believe my brain is shutting down right now. Uh, um, it looks like Mark Knopfler's still alive. Okay. <laughs> okay, no, we got to figure this out. What band are you talking about? Oh, Famous Shirt. With the, the famous shirt. <laughs> How dare you? You will know when I figure this out. Um. Oh my God. Um. Let me Google Interpol influences. Talking about Chris Cornell? No. Although he is dead. Um. Oh my gosh. My brain. My brain. It is hurting. Um. Joy Division. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did that take so... I'm so... Like, 10 years ago, me would stab me. 
just not a great look. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. She wants revenge. I feel like Joy Division is the the heart of that and interval. God. He died in 1980 at 23 years old. I didn't realize Joy Division was like. Yeah, man. man, suicide. Not, I think he was like very deeply depressed. And then Joy Division turned into like the remaining members formed New Order, which was like, I think a more upbeat, upbeat like 80s band, uh, <laughs> relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Damn. It's That's all. Sad rattling around in my brain but yeah it's sad like depression is a thing man not fun yeah, yeah, yeah. no i know i know i know um i know new order that's like um um blue monday and whatever right so yeah yeah yep so they uh you know they pivoted yeah a bit but yeah um <laughs> so anyway uh yeah she Ty. So she wants revenge. She wants revenge. <laughs> Very much. On PD's. Um, yeah. And when she calls out Paige, Dan Lambert shows up along with the men of the year. And he is on stage and he yells a bit in his Dan Lamberty way. You know, there's a lot of gross Dan Lambertisms that come out. He's I thought it was just Brandy that he did this with, but he's got a style and he's sticking to it. And that style is like gross misogynist sexist guy <laughs> and i hate it <laughs> agreed so yeah he's out here to um call ty conti a whore because obviously uh and then just says, like you're not gonna get the rematch you want it's not gonna happen like i have this title and then i i would be remiss if i didn't say that sammy's response was equally gross because dan lambert kisses the tnt championship belt and sammy goes you know i know me and ty live rent free in your head and now that you've done that kiss the belt we also live rent free in your mouth because of what we've done while i had it and it's just like oh my god we get it and then i thought back to the whole nxt scandal where a bunch of people just had like the pictures come out where they were like Brad Maddox. I think he jizzed all over the belt. I don't know. Yeah, it was yeah, it a bunch of people. It was just Brad Maddox. Did Do you think that like Paige and Xavier uh, Woods have sex with like with it? No, no, no. Oh my god! Like it wasn't a, the like, title it was, was a pie? Un- the title was only involved in Paige and Brad's sex play. Oh, okay. She just had like she had an unrelated threesome with Maddox and Xavier Woods. Mm, okay. Guys, I don't think that <laughs> Okay. So here's here's what I thought. First of all, I thought like, oh, I don't like this. This is bad taste. Like this is the kind of bad taste I don't really like. But I do respect their courage in exploiting what the page thing when uh WWE was too afraid to. <laughs> and of course I'm joking, but um and I just sent a picture of what uh, Ty Conchi uh, tweeted this morning. And Megan just responded, no. <laughs> I don't. Here's the I thing. I responded to it. I didn't see that. I'm sorry. I said no, thank you. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. I fully get, like, the impulse to be like, it's probably pretty hot to, like, 
get it on with your man if you're both wrestlers <laughs> and there's a belt involved. I get it. Like there's like imagery there you know it makes sense i'm not i'm i'm not saying like i don't totally get it but i also feel like if you have to pass that belt on it is your duty to not do that to get a replica just buy a replica because that is just unhygienic if this is is the thing you pass along to somebody else you get your freak on with that belt all you want as long as it's a replica okay that's all i'm saying it's how you get pink eye yeah. That's what I learned from Knocked Up. Yeah. So here's my thing. Okay. Do you guys think that Ty and Sammy, and especially Tony Khan, understand that Ty and Sammy are heels? I, I mean, are they being positioned that way? I don't know if they're intentionally being positioned that way, but I think that that is how they are coming off to a lot of people. Well, It's a very aggressive coming off. Then my answer is no. Ty and Sammy are not self-aware. And Tony Khan, I feel like he just dips in on this where, you know, when it becomes like people, like if anybody complains it's offensive, like I feel like he's got bigger things on his plate than to monitor Ty and Sammy's relationship posting. Right. It's just like, I feel like Sammy and Ty are so extra about their relationship because they're very clearly like super into each other, which is great. Which is great. Yes. But But, like, it's like going on a date with that couple that's super (laughs) into each other. And it's just like, I don't want to be here on this date with you. I don't want to see you stick your tongue like down. I'm like, we're here at dinner. Happy, but we're here at dinner. Can you save it for like, when you go back to your house or like, yeah, like, can you temper it for the public consumption? <laughs> like, I am so happy that they're happy. But, like, John and Nikki didn't act like that. No, they did not. Sometimes Nikki, I think sometimes Nikki wanted to act right. that way. And John kind of, like, calmed <laughs> her down. Tempered her, yes. 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 But, because that was a great relationship, But y'all. Ty and Sammy are, are, are very young people. and they, they are not that young. They're very close to 30. Okay, but like my point is, that's young. They are they are young. Well, sure, compared to us, but right, uh, they're they're both probably really excited mm. about their. I'm love. so happy that they're both happy. They both deserve happiness. It's I'm re- so I'm really relieved that they didn't get real tattoos with each other's names. Yes, they're 28 and 26 respectively. Oh, they're they're children, so that's 28 yeah. is pretty close to 30. Okay, well, Ty is 26. So anyway, children, but my point is, I think they're coming off heelish. And I think this is like, I I find Dan Lambert very entertaining, but they keep pairing him up against, aside from Jericho, everybody they pair him up against is like a heel, like is a baby face who has heel characteristics. Like a baby Cody, face Andy. who like, when he starts to say things, you're like, hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like, hmm. like, and I think that's why, like, the inner circle feud worked because Jericho is very popular, and you know, and and uh, and I, I don't think I guess we'll never know with the Brandy thing because it got cut off. But I, I, I think Paige is going to end up being the big baby face out of this. I mean, I could definitely see it. I will. I mean, I will say more power to them as a couple. I think it's great they found love. I think it's great if they're just like. 
doing it like rabbits over here. But I also fully don't need that much saturation in social. Like, I don't need to hear about all of it. And I, I, I don't even like follow them on social media i just get with jenny and andy texting me to be like look at what the hell they're doing so i it's coming through a filter and i'm still like i don't really care that much it's it's like uh like they've got the vibe of like a high school couple and i'm not in high school anymore (laughs) yep andy and i have been together for 12 years i can count on one hand the number of times i've posted about something about our relationship. Maybe not even one hand. Maybe zero. It's normally about wine and cheese. Which there's a lot of gray area between the level of what you post versus Ty and Sammy. But also like, I don't like they, it's an extreme. And I think Andy, I never thought of it the way you basically outlined it, but I think you're right. Like, I think, I think they're a heel couple and they don't know it. And Tony Khan doesn't realize it just yet. Like I'm thinking he'll figure it out before they do. Uh, but you know, Mega knows it though. Oh, Mega's smart. Mega's on it. But yeah. You know, like, what, you know, what's great about them though. When they, when they like, when they realize when everybody realizes and gets on the same page, they're going to be like the main event version of Kip and Penelope. Oh yes. yeah. Okay. That's a good point. They're not quite John and Nikki. Because no one can be. Yeah. Well, but they, but they will, yeah, they will be like what Kip and Penelope could have been. Yeah. And we can finally have our fake wedding the way it should have been. Now, who's going to be the best man? And the, oh, obviously, Anna J is the maid of honor. But like, who's going to be the best man? Well, Sammy's cut off all his. uh, I know. That's why I'm asking. Who do you think is going to be the best man? Fuego Dussel. Oh, yeah, that's true. Fuego. I'm going to go with Jungle Boy so we can have a true power. Oh, so Anna Jay is the maid of honor, obviously. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except like AEW. Very face couple post twice. They've been together for like nine months, have posted twice about themselves. AEW. The she had a handful of her ass, though. Yeah, it's but true. I liked it. <laughs> Get up in there. Very like Love is Blind. Uh, Shake said he was going to get that booty and then he did <laughs> and that was the only time guys can this just be the podcast from now on just talking about like all the hot couples i i'm in on this podcast <laughs> i would love if we just had a segment that was like relationship corner and like oh, yeah. and you know because there are a limited number of relationships in aw like there's like we can like kind of like ship some people and talk about who we'd want to see kiss and that would be mm. fun too you can, yeah. Who would you like to see kiss? Um, okay. Off the top of my head, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I want to see, I want to see Scorpio Sky mm. kiss. Like literally um, anyone. Yeah, I'm trying to think who would be like a good matchup for Scorpio Sky. Um. Oh, his his counterpart, the TBS champion Jade Cargill. I actually want to see Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, like, make it for real. I was going to say, like, I know Ethan's married, but, like, what if they just one day are like, dude, I love you, like, more than a friend. (laughs) And just make it out a little. Have you started watching his vlog yet? No. Should I? I should. It's a lot. It's a lot of, like, weird Ohio. Crap from Ohio. Listen, listen, they're... There, there was, there was an episode where he was just kind of covering um, 
a toy convention that he went to in with, Ohio. Some, with some other wrestlers. And it was a lot of like fans coming up to him and giving him stuff. So that was not the best episode. I would say skip okay. that one. But the backstage vlogs are very good. Okay. I mean, from everything you said, I feel like I should watch it. And it will probably be very entertaining. So mm-hmm. I, I would like to get into that. I mean, I hate to say it, but BTE is just not really... No, not doing it for me. Scratching that itch anymore. I'm skipping like at least two segments every week on BTE at this point. Oof. I don't, I, I skip when they replay like the matches because I'm like, I, I watched, I already invested my time in watching this. I don't need a different angle on it. No, no one cares about it. Who cares about the brand and color angle? No one. I, okay. So I, I, I usually skip those, but when I do happen to watch them, I do find that I'm always entertained by Brandon Keller's running commentary because he gets so excited when things are going well. And then he gets so upset when things are going badly. I mean, yes, I will tip of the hat to him for that. I, when I do watch them, I'm entertained by that. But I also am like, this is like a 10 minute segment of like Mm -hmm. a match I've already seen. And I, I just feel like you could have edited. You could have edited. Ethan Page. Ethan Page just uh, signed a contract extension this past week. Oh, good. Um, yeah, so he'll be around for a couple years to come at least. I like his devious, like, laugh and, and smile. I think he he has nailed the, like, shitty, just, like, hilarious heel. Jenny, I feel like you just laugh because you don't agree. She's not no, a fan. No, I think Scorpio Sky should fly on his own. <laughs> Okay. Get those black skinny jeans back into my life, Scorpio Sky. Give Ethan a kiss, goodbye, and move on. Ugh, relationship corner. Relationship corner. All right, let's move on. Cornered. All right, next up, we have a quick promo from Swerve and Ricky Starks, where uh, Swerve says he's he's going to be taking Ricky's Pride and FTW Championship on Friday night rampage because they're having a match. So we'll see how that goes. I I'm torn because I want Swerve to win, but I also think that Ricky Starks needs the FTW championship. I think it like defines him in a way that if you take it away, he'll be real sad. So I'm hoping for a win um by Starks, I guess, just based on that. I think I think it'd be a good time to switch that stupid title. <laughs> It's not a title. It's a fake well, title. Swerve, maybe Swerve can just be like, all right, this is fake. And then and destroy like, it. Ditch it yeah. Like he takes like it office as a Medusa it. and just like drops it in our trash can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good reference. Oh, damn. All right, well, we'll see if that's how it goes. Oh, Ricky Stark is going to be so sad. His graphic for the match is literally him just like cradling that, that fake belt and just like loving it. So, yeah. uh it's going to be a real emotional blow. That's how I hold champagne. Exactly. Think of if, if somebody took it away from you. It's going to be tough. Sad. Uh, next up, we've got the rubber match between Layla Hirsch and Red Velvet. Chris Statlander is banned from ringside during this match, so she can't help Red Velvet when Layla cheats to get the win. Layla pulls her usual trick with the turnbuckle from under the ring, but this time grabs a second one, hides it in her trunks. Bryce Remsburg, the referee, takes the visible turnbuckle, the one she has in her hand, away from her, but is distracted as he's handing it out to some member of staff on the outside of the ring and doesn't see Layla use the second one to basically hit Red Velvet over the head and get the pin on her. So, tough time for Red Velvet. 
And although Chris Statlander was banned from ringside during the match, she quickly runs out to help Red Velvet afterwards because Layla starts beating her up again. Not satisfied with just getting the win. Yeah, this was a very uh, WWE finish. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel like we've got a lot of jank finishes to these this series of matches. Um, but I am a Layla Hirsch fan. I think she's great. I think she's very strong. Like that she's not what you typically see. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, after that, we get a quick interview with Tony Schiavone talking to Jade Cargill and her manager, Smart Mark Sterling. Um, Tony tries to ask about who the 30th opponent she's going to face is going to be, and Jade does not provide a name, but instead focuses on the celebration after her victory. She, like, all the planning that needs to be done. She gives Smart Mark a list. She wants money falling from the ceiling. Green confetti, green Lamborghinis, fine exotic dancers, obviously, and uh, a section for her baddies, and then like a whole outfit that still needs to be planned, and that's kind of what distracts her, so she has to go focus on that. But yeah, um, it sounds like Jade's 30th win is going to be big, and if she doesn't get it, I anticipate uh, quite a blow up on her part. Do, do, so did you get this did, you got the impression that she was losing? I feel like there's a lot of effort going into this victory and um that's like you said with Adam Cole it's like you're celebrating a little too much before yeah it's like it's how actually Shido didn't get her hundredth victory. The 50th, yeah yeah it's it's like once you introduce you're jumping ahead too much and once you start doing that you're not focused on the the main thing you should be the prize, if you will, like you gotta, you gotta keep your mindset on the present. So I'm curious who her 30th opponent will be, especially if she is going to lose to them. She's going to lose to them. I think it should be FKA Ember Moon. Whoa. Is she free agent? Well, yeah. I did not realize. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast. I know, but I guess timing-wise, I didn't realize she's just, like, out and about. Well, let me see. When Let me see if I can see when she got released. Because I could see that, like, she does seem like an opponent who could finally take down Jade. And also, Jade has frequently made references to the fact that she's defeated everyone on the roster. She was, de- she was released on November 4th. Oh. So she would have been available uh, March 4th. So, yeah, so she's she would have been available this month. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, that would so, be good. As they're building up this 30th opponent thing, I could definitely see them, like, that being for her, if, if Jade is going to lose. Oh, that would be really good. All right, I'm into it. Jenny, do you have thoughts? You no. look like... Okay, you look like you had thoughts. Are you I, pro I or con Jade losing to her next I opponent? never want Justin's That Bitches Show title to be gone. Well, I don't think Jade can hold it in perpetuity. I think Ty 
can make something of it. I think she could be like. <sighs> yeah, but if she tried for it. And if Ty and Sammy start to drift another way, Ty might be aiming for something a little bigger. Ooh. So, you know, like you you could let Ty go to fly and then yeah. kind of. Because no offense to the TBS championship, but I think it's kind of on the level of the TNT one where it's meant to yep. change hands more frequently than the other titles. So it's not. Should have a John Cena open challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So. Ooh, that's. Ooh, I'm excited now. That'll be good. Okay. Okay. Well, in other women's news, um, we get a brief segment where Tony Shivani is also going to talk to Thunderosa and. It's one of those, like, it happens on the stage and it's kind of quick. So he he walks out and he calls Thunder Rosa out. And he's going to talk to her about being the new AEW Women's World Championship or Champion. And they are immediately interrupted by Vicky Guerrero. Vicky gets, <laughs> I gotta say, surprisingly racist when <laughs> when it comes to Thunder Rosa claiming she's from Texas. Uh, Vicky, Vicky's like, uh, you can't claim my state as your home. It just, like, you can um, she makes a green card remark that I'm like, Vicky, you're what? Uh, but okay. Yeah, this this fucking sucked. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where it's like could have just done without this. Um, Nyla Rose ends up surprised attacking Thunder Rose from behind and taking her out. And this is, I guess, their way of saying like, oh, Nyla Rose will be the next person challenging for the AEW World or Women's World Championship. Could have done better. Could have done yeah. differently. I, I, yeah, this, I hated this. Yeah, it was disappointing. Uh, and I, and I feel bad for Nyla because, like, I, I, I like Nyla a lot. And it seems like, well, A, I think, I don't know. I don't know why this Vicky thing is still, this, like, it just, I, she doesn't need Vicky. She doesn't need Vicky. And second, like, I feel bad that her role now always seems to be, to be like, the first challenger for the champion for like yeah you know yeah and then to consistently not win yeah imagine well she won once for just like a little bit yeah i i just i feel like it didn't make any no one came out of this looking good i guess Mm -hmm. and and for that reason like as a segment it just failed for me um but yeah but that's the last thing we have until we get to the main event. And uh, what a fun way to end the evening this is. It's John Silver and Alex Reynolds, uh, the number one ranked tag team going into this match against the first time tag team of Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia. Uh, the announced team pointed out that it would not be a great look for Jericho and Garcia to lose the Jazz debut match. So, of course, they did not. <laughs> um, Daniel Garcia tapped out Alex Reynolds with a Scorpion Deathlock, but that was only after Jericho had hit Reynolds in the face with his bat while Aubrey, the referee, was distracted. So it was a victory, but also, like, it's clear that Jazz is kind of, like, bad guys, if you didn't already get that from all of their other mannerisms and speaking. But, yeah. Yeah, I... I thought this match was this is I thought this was an awesome main event honestly. I I thought it bookended like that in the first match bookended the show so perfectly because they were both like really fun just like 
romps, if you will, like good wrestling and and feel good kind of outcomes. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I was really into uh, John Silver's hot tag. I thought it was one of his better ones. Um, and Jericho just like, I don't know, Jericho seemed like really into making John Silver like, you know, into something like I, I was talking to our friend Jason last night about it. And we both agree that sometime this year, John Silver needs to get a signature win. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> Megan, you look so adorable when you drink your wine out of your teacup. Thank you. I'm sorry. It's so cute. Thank you. But I agree with the John Silver win. Yeah. Like Darby finally got that signature win over Cody uh, you know, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, like, you know, won the tag team titles. That was Jungle Boy's signature win. Like, Darby ne- or uh, John Silver needs, he's he's the next one. He needs a signature win. Yeah, yeah. I do think, that, like, like, the thing I took away from this was I know that the, the build-up kind of promo from Jericho was that, like, oh, this guy, he was so happy to meet his hero, and now he's going to get beat. It was like the grain of truth in that is that I bet John Silver was having the time of his life getting to be in the ring with, like, his legit hero. You know, like, I just, I love Or was he not his legit hero? (laughs) And was he like Dave, who went to the NXT show, and then that one guy forced him to have a picture with him when all they wanted was a picture with uh, Bailey? What one guy? I don't know. There was, like, a guy that, like, forced him to have a photo with him. Are you talking about Kenta? Who, like, Dave's favorite wrestler of all time? No, no, no. no. There was a guy. <laughs> I know Kenta. Call Kenta. <laughs> is, a, is a favorite. But there was, like, this other guy. Text him and be like, well, who's that guy's name that forced you to have a photo when oh, you really just wanted? I feel bad, though, because it was probably, like, some wrestler who was like, nobody wants to picture me. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but, like, I just... I love those moments in AEW because it seems like more and more they're getting to be a thing where, like, AEW brings in a legacy talent that, that you know, I'm never really sure about. But then, like, all the younger talent is like, I can't wait to work with them and, you know, I idolize them. Like, like the way Private Party gets to work with Matt Hardy and uh, they're, like, super jazzed about it. I don't know. I just felt like John Silver was getting his moment with Jericho here where it was like, oh, they were joking about uh, Jericho being John Silver's hero. But at the same time, like in reality, I would assume John Silver's super excited about getting to actually legitimately wrestle him. And that just that warms my heart. Like, I just like that. That's a component of the match. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's got to be the thing for a lot of these guys. I'm sure that most of these people did not expect to find themselves at any point in their career because of the age difference that like having matches with Chris Jericho on national television, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or Sting or Sting for Christ's sakes or yes. CM Punk Sting. or Brian Danielson or, you know, like any of these guys like who are over 40. Yeah. It's, it's a heartwarming aspect to this company that i just i really love and uh i thought was alive and well in this match it's like okay so daniel garcia and jericho win and they're technically the bad guys but like i feel like john silver and alex reynolds probably had a ball doing this and Mm -hmm. like you know and john silver like you said he's he's being set up to be like a big thing even though he's so little his little stature i I misremembered dave's story (laughs) 
<laughs> and no one forced him to have a photo with him. But Dana Brooke did photobomb his photo with Bailey. Oh. That, like, Bailey was Dave's favorite wrestler. And Dana Brooke was like, but I'm here too. Yeah. Yeah. So I apologize. And that was after Dave saw Kenta and tried to say, like, can you sign this as Kenta? And then some <laughs> random PR person was like, no, he can't. Just <laughs> <laughs> like the but funniest. I bet Kenta would have signed it for Dave. Dave's so sweet. He's the <laughs> nicest guy. I bet he would have tried. I also feel like Kenta would have been like, I don't really care. Like, yeah, that's like that's what I've been known as. But like, a, I just picture a PR person swooping in and being like, "That's not the WWE like way." No, it's like those F one PR people. <laughs> it's like, no, you will not be answering this question. Yeah, but yeah, uh, so the the Jazz, they made a good showing. They're around. They're here. Jericho's surrounded by people that kiss his ass and love him, and I feel like that's his natural state, and he loves it. So. We'll see. I did like, I gotta say, I love that um, John Silver got the chance to take on Jake Hager two times and defeat him. Uh, although the third time he did get caught in the air. Um, but it, like, I just, the, the like David and Goliath dynamic between those two was great. And uh, I think Jake Hager's pants are stupid. Jake Hager's <laughs> pants are stupid. That's uh, that's definitely true. So that was dynamite, huh? That was dynamite. I'm so excited. For oh, because oh, dynamite's yeah. great. So, <laughs> yeah, so dynamite's wrapped up. Uh, we're we're all good to go. Um, we'll be back next week with uh with more. Uh, but uh, this week we're gonna start a new segment. Um, I don't have a name for you. Maybe we'll think of one uh in the interim uh between this week and next week, but. Uh, every week we're gonna the elite beat plug of the week. Okay, that sounds good. Uh, we're gonna go around and just uh, say and maybe like say a few things about something that we're enjoying in pop culture at large. You know, like that is not wrestling related. So I, Jenny is champing at the bit, so I'm gonna let her go first. I am so excited, guys. Okay, I have two very small, short things. Okay. Can I say two? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, I love the Chateau Diaries. Stephanie Jarvis. Love them. It really got me through December. And I joined uh, her Patreon account in January. And I am now a lady of Lalonde. And actually, yesterday, I got my postcard that had a print of Chateau Lalonde on it and a lovely little note from Stephanie telling me that she was so grateful for my support <laughs> and that she hoped to see me at Chateau Lalonde soon. And I plan to go. And it was scented with her perfume. And I imagine that she smells so sweet and I just cannot wait to go. But what I really wanted to plug this week was I've been listening to the office ladies and it's just such a lovely little podcast and we watch the super fan p- episodes on Peacock, which is where you can find the Chateau Escape 2 and DIY Chateau, 
on there. It's the best streaming service. But they also have The Office. And they do super fan episodes, which um, cut in the deleted scenes, which are really fun. And Andy and I watched the first four seasons of the super fan episodes of The Office on Peacock recently. And they were really fun. And I've been listening to Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey on The Office Ladies for the last uh, maybe month. And it's just been, it's just such a delightful little podcast and it brings me so much joy and (laughs) I haven't yet caught up to our super fan. I'm still at the beginning of season three. Um, and I've watched through season four of the super fan episodes, but that's what I've been listening to and taking a lot of delight out of. And, uh, everyone should check out the Chateau Diaries on YouTube and, uh, Office Ladies on, uh, anywhere you can get your podcast. That's right. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I have been uh, enjoying a, a game on uh, Xbox Game Pass called Tunic uh, the past few days. That is, it's it's like it's kind of like Zelda, like early earlier Zelda games, like kind of like uh, like Link to the Past era. Um, but it's it's all about discovery and that everything you interact with, like there's very little English in the game and it's all in this like obscure language. And I think the idea is you have to like, you you just have to piece things together. You like, you literally find um, pages of the game manual in game. And only then can you like read them and like find out and you'll find out things that you could have been doing from the beginning of the game, but you didn't know you could do them. So I imagine like like a second playthrough would be a totally different because you'd be using all of your abilities and, and shortcuts and stuff that you could have used from the very beginning um, if you had just stumbled upon them. But uh, so, yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. I, I really like that game. And uh, yeah, Tunic, Xbox Game Pass. It's, it's on everything, but if you have Game Pass, then you can just download it as part of your subscription and play it. It's It's a blast. Yeah, I downloaded that at your recommendation the other night, and I just kind of started into it a couple hours, and it was like so charming, little fox, right? so cute. Oh, yeah, an and adorable little fox, so that's... cute, and definite Zelda vibes, like from yeah. the jump. Yeah, that's really nice that other people have uh, downloaded and tried out other people's suggestions. Do you want me to? Okay, well. So Chateau Diaries, that is, I guess. <laughs> Megan, I think you'd really like it. Just, just start. All with right, all right, memories. all right. Well, uh, okay. My my thing is not something I think either of you will care about, but I'm gonna put it out there. Uh, I have been, I am a true crime person, and I've been super into the Netflix documentaries, docu series as well. Because when I cook dinner, I love to have something on, just like on the. You love to see a little blood with your cooking. Well, the thing is, no, because the those are the ones. It needs to be kind of tame because dinner is um, it's not a time for looking at weird human meat. Okay, it doesn't <laughs> work. But one that like one that you might actually be interested in if you ever get the get the I don't know get the inclination to watch. Uh, there is a a documentary called The Tinder Swindler on Netflix right now. Whoa. Netflix I've been is, recommended this by another person. It's so good. Netflix is putting, like, okay, I turned to HBO for high-quality documentaries that, like, they've got the budget for. Netflix is trying to come up and, like, maybe do some competition. Um, The Tinder Swindler is <laughs> so intriguing. It's about, it's a true crime, but there's no murder, so it's not scary. And so it's it, not the Netflix 
killer. Or I'm sorry, the Craigslist killer. No, no, there's no murder. It's all about a guy who just like is on Tinder and steal. He essentially creates a Ponzi scheme where he goes from woman to woman and steals money from one to pay for dates with the other. And it's so intriguing because ultimately, uh, authorities have no idea how to deal with this sort of criminal and. He's never really been charged with anything and lives today free and also with many book deals and other sort of income sources while the women he swindled wow. are in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. So um, it is both angering but also so interesting. So I recommend it. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Megan, I'm going to check that out. Have you tried Inventing Anna yet? Already watched like, through all of it. Loved okay. it. Loved all it. Right. Yeah. I'm like halfway through it really enjoying it yeah very cool very good very good so that's my i guess my recommendation is like check out those netflix documentaries because uh if you're into true crime in any form even if it's not murdery they got something for you and netflix has money to throw at it in uh an increasingly similar way hbo does i'm i'm into the financial crimes that don't involve the elderly Oh, Tinder swindlers up your alley then. It's uh, all right. it's all it's all young people. It's financial crimes out the wazoo, and nobody gets murdered. So this is called the rural juror. Is that right? Yeah, rural juror. <laughs> I have a hard time saying that word. Rural. Yeah, I mean that's the point. Yeah, yeah. Jenna's in this movie. It's like I don't know the name of it. I think it's like rural juror. It's been so long now. I'm afraid to ask. Yeah. Um. Okay, so let's see. Okay, so we have we have Escape to the Chateau. No, Chateau Diaries. Chateau Diaries. Full Stephanie Jarvis on this. Chateau plug. Diaries. Uh, you know, Patreon, uh, or use the YouTube show. Uh, we've got the Office Ladies podcast. We've got uh, Tunic on Game Pass, or wherever you can play video games. I'm sure. I'm sure it's on everything. You can buy it if not Game Pass. You know, you can just yeah, like yeah. straight up pay money for it. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and uh, the tender swindler on Netflix. Yeah, check so it those out. Those are, huh? Check it out. Yeah, so those are our uh, elite beat plugs of the week. Pretty exciting. Do you think next week we're just gonna plug our leaf blower that we bought? I I, I mean, you can if you want to. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I can't imagine I will. I fully enjoy uh, leaf. I'm not blowing. that excited about it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, that'll be all for this week. But uh, for Megan and Jenny, I'm Andy, and uh, this is the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat, E, E, Elite Beat. <laughs>